What is up Ascenders? My name is Brian Henry and I'm the founder of the Ascend Academy, an online platform, school and community that is uniting and activating light workers. If you believe you might be one of the souls that have come to this planet at this time to serve the awakening and the ascension of our planetary collective consciousness, we may be looking for you. To learn more about the Academy and to initiate your activation, head on over to academy.togetherweascend.com. Welcome to your awakening journey. Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we're about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, Ascenders? Welcome back to another episode of the Awaken Podcast. My name is Brian Henry. I'm the founder of TogetherWeAscend.com and the Ascend Academy, and your host of the show. In this episode, I interview nobody, but not just any nobody, but a nobody that's being an incredible somebody. I hope everybody is excited for this one. This word, nobody, has a negative connotation. But my guest in this episode would say that being nobody might just be the highest you can be. You see, when we are nobody, free of definition, free of identification, we're also free of limitation. And it is being a free, open, unidentified channel for the highest light to move through us. That we actualize the highest somebody there is to be. This isn't about denying yourself of being somebody in the world. This is about a power that can be tapped into. The power of nobody. And integrating that into your somebody. J.A. Plosker is an amazing, amazing individual and teacher of the nobody life. A life in which a greater sense of joy, fulfillment, and balance can be found. He has a really, really great way of bringing it all together. Showing us how we can bring together both our nobody and somebody to live a more balanced life. If you're ready to learn how, let's jump into this interview and episode with my good friend, Jay Plosker. Whatever you are, whoever you are, anything that you share, express, if it comes from you is more than perfect for not just the listeners, but for me and I hit record. We're gonna we're gonna do that thing we do, um, which I'll describe as being just enjoying each other's company. I know that's what it's like for me. I just enjoy speaking to you, my friend, and um, that's that's the the energy that I want to be in. The record button's been hit, meaning 
there's a chance that someone else hears this conversation. <laughs> but most important to me is that we're in that energy. And then I know that us being in that energy totally lines up with us putting out that energy in service to the all. Well, I appreciate it. Of course, again, this is going to be heard by the Awaken podcast audience. So I do want to give you the chance to properly introduce yourself. Um, you have been on the show before, but something tells me that the character that you're playing has been <laughs> upgraded in that time. Uh, so why don't you give us a little bit of a lowdown to who you are and what you've been doing in the world? Well, it's great to be, you know, Brian, I remember years ago I was on the podcast and you and I have talked about how far we've both come and it's really been fun to watch that evolution. And so I'm still J.A. Plosker and uh, when I was first with you, I had just published the Nobody Bible, Uncovering the Simple Wisdom in Ordinary Life. And since then, I've really been working on upgrading that nobody life and what that means. And I just recently published uh, my novel and audible silence, which really continues that personal and spiritual growth journey. And it's really been a lot of fun. And I've recently started coaching and getting involved in a lot of other uh, online content avenues. And it's really just been a fun journey of growing with people and building a community. And it's been a lot of fun. And I'm just really excited for you with all the ways that your endeavors have been growing and you've been growing because it, uh, it was actually really cool to see. Um, I think I had mentioned this to you. I um, Actually, this has happened well before too, but a few weeks ago it happened again where I, I heard this call to, to reconnect with you and I searched your name probably on Facebook or something. And just seeing at first glance, it was very clear to me that you've come a long way in terms of the way that you are serving. And that can only mean that you've undergone growth within yourself. So to see the, the, the great difference in just again, at first glance, even on just the surface, um, what is you you're putting out today in comparison to when when we first connected which like you uh you just mentioned i think was early early on in your in your journey of using using these online platforms as a means to to serve um you just wrote your first book that was really fulfilling for me to see it was uh it was really great to to see that now Let's uh, let's do a little bit of a recap for for any of the audience that may not have heard that episode. Um, you say nobody life, right? There's that that name that that term nobody that I think we we've, we've spoken to being a term that can sometimes be misconstrued in the context that you're you're using it in. Um, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a nobody life? Well, originally, the term grew out of this idea of uh, the author community. I remember me and, and a lot of uh, aspiring authors that I knew, you know, we'd walk around in these bookstores and we'd think to ourselves, you know, who am I to get a book published? You know, I'm nobody, <laughs> right? 
who do want to hear my story? And then I realized that the power in that, in that term. And right after uh, I started to notice that term coming up a lot, I heard a few teachings about that term. And one of them came from a, a great teacher of mine. He said, he said, in life, being nobody is really the highest you can be because it means that you're this clear channel to the world. You're a clear vessel of light. And that hit me so hard. And it empowered me to write the Nobody Bible. And over time, that term has evolved to, out, of, out of something super personal into something really super global. And my wife, Melissa and I, decided to start this movement called Nobody Life. And that was an outgrowth of a TEDx talk that I gave about the power of being nobody, about the power of turning that term on its ear and reconstruing it as instead of being nothing, really being everything. It's really about being mindful, holding space, being patient. And what we've come to realize is a lot of people's initial reaction to that word nobody is they want to say something like, well, no, I'm somebody. Everybody wants to be somebody. And we say, yes, you are. You are somebody. But you also have this repository of power in you called nobody. So being living nobody life isn't really about casting aside that somebody side. It's about meshing those two sides of who we are. And if you go to nobodylife.com, we have a little person that we created that shows these two sides. It's like a yin and yang. So sometimes there's a time to evaluate a problem you're having. And sometimes there's a time to just sit with it. Sometimes there's a time to really think through something. And sometimes there's the time to just be mindful and in the moment. So if you can find a way to blend your somebody side and your nobody side together, you really become integrated. You become whole and you access power that you may not have even realized you had. And that's been very, very exciting. And it's been really exciting to see people make that connection, to break down that mental barrier and understand that it's really about meshing two sides of who they are and becoming whole. That's been very gratifying for us. Mm. I'm glad we cleared that up right <laughs> off the bat. That, Cause that's something of course that we've, we've spoken about and I know that it's not just in being nobody. It's about integrating that, that sense of nobody into the somebody you're being. And I think the big, big point that we, we want to really get across here is you will more powerfully and joyously play the role of somebody from that state of being of realizing that fundamentally your essence what you are is beyond definition mm. and that's what it means to me to be nobody to be something that is beyond what can be defined and so then the somebody becomes this this game that we play we play this game and we're less attached to it so two things happen there one again we start to look upon it as, as a game with less emotional attachment yeah. to that identity and to the stories that we, we may have once been telling ourselves. But then too, we 
begin to approach that game from a place that we'll be able to more effectively create that somebody because we recognize ourselves as being the undefinable. And then with that, the limitations or the perception of limitation starts to dissolve as well. Well, if I can choose who I'm being, if I can choose, and that's ultimately, that's where the, the magic happens when we realize that we're choosing to believe ourselves to be whatever it is that we're, we're defining ourselves by. Well, then why don't I pick wisely? Why don't I create the somebody that is in alignment with the experience that I want to have and who I feel called to be in this world rather than play by what I, I often come back to as this, this default way of living where the stories that we've, we give power to are the ones that just maybe be the ones that we're in at the time or that we're using our, our reality or other people are telling us this is who you are, right? So again, I think the two big things there are we play to somebody more powerfully and we play it more joyously. And that's why I just absolutely love your approach of integrating the two. I, I think it's so important that you get that point across um, very early on when someone comes across you and well, we've done it here in the, uh, the conversation as well. So thank you for that. Right. And I love what you said there because it's really about how we show up. You know, the title of the TEDx talk was I'm teaching my daughter to be nobody. And that doesn't make me a bad parent. And part of that is, you know, teach our, we can wear labels. We can, we can be son, husband, uh, we can be employee, we can be senior district manager, we can wear labels, but understand that they don't last or define us completely. We can dress up these bodies, you know, we can put on that tuxedo for the wedding, but we also have to understand that at some point we will shed these bodies and move on. So it's about how are you going to show up? Because we show up as somebody, right? I mean, I used to teach. I mean, I have a job. I show up at, in my capacity as writer or teacher. But how I show up, do I show up in a state of calm? Do I show up in a state of presence, in a state of openness? So we can be a teacher who shows up with knowledge, but then holds a space of openness for students to share. That's the integration. That's how it comes together. That's how we, like you said so well, that's how we decide how we're going to show up. We're not locked into an identity as much as we think we are. And when we have that engine of nobody churning underneath, driving this vehicle forward, it becomes so powerful. It becomes greater than we ever imagined. And it becomes something that not only do we want to master in ourselves, but something that we want to share down the generations. Because I believe that that's how we not only have a better day or life, right? But that's how we have a better world for those who will follow us, is by making those choices now and teaching others how to make those choices. And I think that's, that's really the great power of living nobody life. Hmm the way in which we are showing up, the difference in how we show up when we are detached from, from the stories. Um, even that word I find detached is something that we need to, to, to elaborate a little bit on just because um, 
I feel like, well, I know that in the past I've kind of gotten caught up with this where detachment, this idea of detachment has, um, has kind of coincided a, a feeling of disconnection from the experience. And actually very recently I was, I was undergoing this um, where the focus upon the, what I like to call the being dimension or what you call the, the nobody life, right? There's just so many ways. And I love this. I love that there's just so many ways that we can, we can speak to this same concept. And I love that you have your own personalized um, with your, your character um, sort of way of describing it. But um, yeah, what I was saying was, very recently, I was in a place where I was so focused upon this coming into the nobody, coming into that 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 essence of I'm pure awareness that I actually found that I started to feel less excited about life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of hard for me to to see and deal with at a time because I remember having this experience during this time where I saw a video, an older video of myself speaking and sharing and serving. And I saw someone completely different than who I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. And there were some things that I liked more about who I was being in that moment of watching the video. But there was a lot that I was seeing in the video in terms of the energy I was putting out that I was looking at and it, it felt like I had taken steps backwards in, in who I was being in the world. And to kind of sum up why I felt that way was the person I saw in the video was more excited about life. He was more excited about life and he was more excited to be serving others. Um, and that actually kind of was a, a little bit of a wake-up call for me. Um, but before I, or even if I, I end up going down the road of sharing more about what's transpired since, talk to me a little bit about, because I know this is something you're familiar with, that, that way in which we can go out too much off in that other direction because I, I, I know that the vast majority the masses probably are not giving enough thought towards the, or not putting enough emphasis and focus upon the, the beauty and the magic of being nobody. Um, but there is a imbalance in the other direction as we both know. Um, right. I want to address that because I feel like there's definitely members in the audience who are actively um, actively pursuing spiritual growth or um, you know expanding spiritual awareness awareness of themselves that end up in that direction and end up imbalanced in that in that sort of similar way where it's again feelings of disconnection and a little bit of lack of enthusiasm and excitement and engagement with one's experience in life. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I think one of the places that I think it's important to start this conversation is I spent many years uh, as a a therapist, as a counselor, and it was really important 
at least I think. Now, this may not apply to everybody. We have to take every, of course, everything we say is caveated with this is, this is my experience, you know, through, through my lenses. We can't really completely detach from, from things. Okay, we took a body, right, if we want to look at it that way. And I think one of the responsibilities of taking on a body is learning to work within that machine. And one of the powers of this machine we're in is the power of emotion. And emotion is what makes experience valuable in a lot of ways, right? So when I see my daughter and she runs towards me and we play in the park and she says, Daddy, put your hands out, put your arms out so I can run to you and hug you. That comes with an accompanying emotion inside of me, right? Many, probably. I feel love, I feel joy, I feel excitement. And when she comes and she hugs me, it fulfills that, that pathway is fulfilled. So there's a physical touch, there's accompanying emotions, and then there's, there's this incredible feeling I get from it. And I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it, because that just happened last night. And I think one of the pitfalls of detachment is we take it to a place of complete and utter unattachment. And I know that's a goal for some spiritual paths. And I, I totally get that. And I think there's value in that. But I think if we're looking for a middle way, we need to find a way to balance these two things. So what it becomes is this. It becomes the idea that we're reading a story or we're watching the characters. And you know, when you watch your favorite television show, right, you get a little attached to those characters. As my teacher would say, you know, the whole thing is a script in Hollywood but you cry a little, as he would say, something. on behalf of the characters. You laugh on their behalf. Yeah. And you find- You still in... care. What'd you say? I, I was just saying, you still care. You still care about what happens to them. Yes, and or that's- you feel that. That's a great word, caring. Because you can be, you can understand that the person you're- empathizing with, may have, be having a terrible time with something in their life. And the value of detachment is you don't become lost in their pain completely. Mm -hmm. you, you sit with them. You sit next to them. You feel what they're feeling in some ways, but are able to render aid or assistance or needed advice. And so really you form a partnership. And I think the power of detachment isn't being completely uninvolved. And I think that's where a lot of us end up, right? We go so far to the one side that we become uninvolved in life. We become dismissive of the machine. We become dismissive of the emotions instead of integrating them. And that's really the power I think of, of the somebody nobody dichotomy is once they're integrated, you can become a caring partner without tumbling, either tumbling way down into the pit or completely detaching from it. You become a partner, a strong partner, someone who can empathize. That's the power of empathy. Empathy is really sitting with somebody. You're not climbing into their skin and you're not pushing them aside. You're sitting with them. You become a presence a presence that can feel, a presence that can touch, a presence that can hold, a presence that's involved, but you understand where that division is. So you don't become lost and you don't become completely separated. You become completely present. 
And I think that's what we're searching for. That's the game, as you say, between becoming completely emotional with somebody and becoming completely distant. And I think the middle way is at least what I'm striving for. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's sort of what resonates with me, that idea of the middle way, the power of yin-yang, of, of honoring both. 100%. I think um, I was just telling Amanda the other day, um, if you were to check, if you were to somehow count the amount of times I, I use a word in my journal and in my writings, the word both probably is the one that comes up most often. The word both has come up in everything that I've, uh, I've been receiving um, through, through guidance, through, through my own inner knowing, through even the, uh, the guidance of what may appear to be uh, external manifestations, such as an amazing guest on the show like yourself. Um, it's it's coming back to that time and time again and it's honoring that embracing that the both and the reason for that being such a um common word and what what it is that i'm i'm sharing and expressing is because i realize no matter what point i deliver there's always going to be a flip side so it's almost like perhaps you know it gets to a point where i don't need to say after everything I say, but there's another side to it. But at the same time, it feels like that's important for me to address. So no matter what it is that the point is or the, the message is, whether it's on which of the two sides, it's important that we realize that there's the, there's the flip side to it. There's the flip side to it that also contains uh, truth. And it's not so much about only focusing or fixating on see that's why one thing i may say might be the perfect thing for me to say or even just integrate within myself at the time but in another moment it might be you know complete opposite it might be the complete what might seem like the opposite at the level of concepts and speech um but that in in that time it, it might just be something that's completely different that's relevant Right. So I think the two things that stand out to me here is one balance integration of, of the two, um, realizing that it's both, uh, just to put in a little bit cl more clarity to that, the, the, the most common example of both for me. And I think perhaps one of the most important examples is both being fulfilled in this here and now both feeling a sense of fulfillment and wholeness in this here and now, whilst also being driven and eager to create and to become more. That's right. And you know, Brian, the great trap of personal growth is comfort in a lot of ways. And I say that because part of nobody life is living in flow, right? Now we use that word a lot. Okay. We love that word out there in this, in this space. But what does it really mean? Well, for me, it means kind of what you were saying. In this moment, and I'm very open about this, especially when I was teaching philosophy or teaching comparative religion, because any point in a circle in which we stand requires an opposite. If you don't have an opposite from you, then you're not truly standing in a circle. So any stance you take has an opposite, like you said. And when you're not living in flow, 
when you're living in comfort or when you're living in this moment, only in this space, like I found something that works for me and I'm going to stand right here. And this is the hill I'm going to die on in personal growth. You cut off from yourself the ability to change and shift. And I know a lot of times when we, if you're in the, if you're in the vein of personal and spiritual growth and you're talking to somebody who isn't necessarily conscious of that, what happens? If we change our opinion, they go, aha, see, see, you said you were spiritual and now you're not, you said you were calm and now you're angry. It's the criticism a person in the growth flow will get is often that they're not stable. They're not a still point. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that the hallmark of growth is the ability to be in flow. You know, when we, you know, Brian, every time you and I greet each other, we kind of do this, you know, we are, you know, I do this a lot with people. Mm -hmm. This takes two hands. It takes two sides to give this blessing to somebody. And this is not, if I came up to you and went like this, it's not going to mean as much. It's this. Is that where, what? Is that the, the essence of that greeting? Is I, that, or I think, what does it mean to you? To me, it yeah. means balance. It means wholeness. It means two empty pieces coming together to create space. It means direction of energy upwards. That's what it means to me. That's, so when I come to you- It feels like so this, true. It feels, yeah. That's Just to right. put it out there quickly, if anyone's hearing the, just the audio recording to this, uh, we're bringing our hands together in a prayer oh. position. Um, <laughs> I sometimes forget, you know, some, there's, there are listeners that only get the audio. So I do catch myself doing things <laughs> visually or the, uh, the, uh, the guest might, and then I realize all oh, the, the audio listeners are probably clueless at the time, but um, please do continue. Um, well, I was, I was just going to say, it's, a, it's, it's, what, it's what, my, what my teacher would probably call a two-handed approach, right? Mm -hmm. So being an integrated person requires a two-handed approach. Somebody, nobody. Um, detachment, involvement. Um, uh, projecting mm -hmm. and planning and mindfulness. It's when two come together. That's the power. That's why we love the yin-yang. That's why that symbol is timeless. That's why that symbol is effortless. That's why that symbol transcends any, any possible place we could stand. Because it is a powerful reminder that not only are we integrated when we come together, but what each one has a piece of the other within it. So this is the power of integration of wholeness, of flow, of being willing to admit that in this moment I stand here, in this moment now I stand here, and in this moment I stand here. And if I'm working with a coaching client and they're telling me about a stuck point, usually reminding a person of their opposite is a good way to get unstuck. Because often we get stuck because we don't want to move from a place. But once we discover another place on the spectrum, and once we acknowledge that it is a spectrum, we give ourselves permission to flow. We give ourselves permission to move because we're afraid to do that a lot. We don't want to be seen as hypocrites in this space, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yesterday you said this, mm -hmm. but the power of growth is the ability to flow and change. And that's why two is so important because it gets you out of that mentality that you really have to keep striving for uh, to master one thing. Well, where's the fun in that? <laughs> be willing to change, be willing to shift. So I don't know, that, that's what works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. It's but. so important. It's so important because 
I think gripping too strongly to one side of the equation and creating these these definitions will inevitably create the experience of the polar opposite in this way that it's almost like you are going to eventually get pulled back in that other direction. That's been my experience of it, right? And there was a time that it felt like whatever it was that I defined myself by that was maybe working at the time, that eventually stopped working at the time, it was more difficult for me to flow, okay? It was more difficult for me to come into a sense that, oh yeah, this this feels right, this feels, it just felt like something was off. But being that I had those those rigid definitions and I hadn't yet mastered or just embraced this idea that it's okay to change your mind and it's the openness to perhaps there being a better way of doing things and constantly staying open to that, that, you know, it was, it created for this resistance for, of resistance to what again was this kind of pull back into, to, to balance or in a, or in a different direction, or perhaps just a, a different rhythm that you might be in. Cause that's what I'm finding. It's everything's, it happens in rhythms. It happens in rhythms. And if we get again too too stuck and rigid in one way of doing things being i it, it feels like it's almost inevitable that eventually you're going to feel that pug that tug in the the other direction so i totally totally not only does this resonate with me it um it directly pertains to a lot that I've been integrating within myself. And um, I think only rather recently have I started to embrace that in one moment, I might think this is the perfect way to do things. And then in the next moment, it might be a completely different story. And realizing that has allowed me or is the openness that lets me make that shift more naturally, more smoothly than again, fighting it because, well, I'm being indecisive here. I'm being indecisive or it wasn't that you were wrong before. It's just, it might be time for something new, something different. Absolutely. And you know, Brian, I don't want to miss something here. We're not negating unity, right? We're not negating wholeness and oneness of what we could call energy, spirit, whatever people want to call it. It's, it's up to them. This point of view is sometimes pushed back on because it is perceived as negating a wholeness or a unity. Well, shouldn't I be in one place? Because unity is one and I want to reach that. Well, that's, that's nobody. We acknowledge this whatever you want to call it, energy, presence. We acknowledge this unity of something. But that somethingness is emanating multiple forms. So if I resist my somebody side, if I resist change, if I believe that this school of yoga is the one, this is where I'm going to plant my flag forever, that's great. And you could develop a lot through that kind of discipline. But the danger isn't that. The danger is we push away other experiences, other learnings, other 
avenues to access whatever we call it that might also enrich us. You know, the image that comes to mind, I remember the first time I saw my daughter get into a bouncy castle. You know, those bouncy castles are filled with air and she was having the best time and she was jumping and jumping and jumping. And I'm thinking about that now and I'm thinking if you built a bouncy castle out of bricks and every time you tried to do something different, you got injured or hurt, it wouldn't be any fun. And I think one of the joys of this journey of personal growth, of spiritual growth, is having that bouncy castle mentality. And instead of thinking about moves and shifts and fallings as something that could injure you or hurt your progress, I think of it as something that any wall I hit is gonna just add to the fun. You, you, want, you have an interest in astrology, you go and you study that. You have an interest in yoga, you bounce off that wall. You have an interest in mindfulness. You see what that's all about. And there are certain things that are going to resonate you, with you that are going to stick. But I think letting go of the fear that if we try to do anything that isn't just right here, that somehow it's going to injure us mm-hmm. or damage our progress. I think that's for me in my life, that's something I had to get over. It's about having more than one teacher. It's about exploring more than one avenue because you never know what's gonna add to the fun, to the joy of the excitement. And for me, my teachers, at least the teachers I've had in my life this time around, those teachers have emphasized discipline, but they've also emphasized joy. And for me, the joy of life, the joy of growth is exploring these different avenues of bouncing around and seeing what can happen. And it really has been a fun journey for me. And that's something I want to bring to other people is part of the somebody, nobody thing is releasing people from the idea that they have to be locked in or in one place, or they're going to be, you know, they're not going to progress. And so I just wanted to explain that. I don't know, again, I don't know if that resonates with you on a, on a level, but that image of my daughter in that bouncy castle just hit me like a ton of bricks just now. I actually <laughs> love that metaphor. Yeah, I noticed that about you actually, and I, I want to point it out that I love that you you bring the uh, the imagery, you bring the the examples, the analogies um, into into what it is you're sharing. Um, I know uh, Amanda would love that, especially she's always telling me you need to tell more stories and use more <laughs> examples. So I uh, I want you to know that I think that goes a long way um, in in getting your your point across in a more um, elegant but even just more effective manner as well. So I love the analogy. Um, it does resonate. It certainly does. I think uh, one thing to one word that I feel called to bring into this discussion is inspiration. What it is that we are feeling inspired to do. Yes. And I will also preface this with saying that we might be inspired to do nothing, right? Then that, even that's a doing. That's a choice that we're making. Even when we're not doing, uh, we're choosing to do nothing. So I think, well, the reason why I want to bring that up is because, again, in the, in the essence of the, the conversation and the point that it's both, there's no right or wrong way, um, be adaptable, be flexible, be open. Well, then the question becomes, well, how do I, how do I decide, right? How do I know what 
to because that's also something that a lot of people get stuck in right um not just one way of being but uncertainty around what's the way that i should be being right even that can be a tricky thing to move or feeling like well what's the right way how how should i go about living my life what and this applies in the grand scheme of things as well as just a moment's decision what's the right way so the reason why I want to bring up inspiration is because, as I think you probably know where this is going, is I think it's really important that we stay attuned to where we're feeling inspired to go and be. Yes. And I, I say again, that might be inspired to, to do something actively, but it can also be the inspiration to come back to just being and sitting in, in, in mindfulness. Um, so I really thought it was important that we we involve that inspiration because I can definitely hear and sense in what you're doing um, and how you go about living is you allow that to 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 move you 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 do what you feel inspired to do um, any any words to say with regards to how you approach that 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 mode of well what is it that I'm being I'm being called forth in and which direction is it that I'm being uh, moved in? Well, we always will use a phrase, right? People will use a phrase, what am I being led to do? And then they take a series of actions and what they're doing is setting up a paradox that may not have a resolution. And what that means is this, what am I being led to do means I have to, at a certain point, be still so that leading can take place. And what I, one thing I've noticed, at least about myself, is I'm, I'm very, my life has always been very action-oriented, very planning-oriented. And what I had to come to terms with is if I was really going to learn to trust my intuition, then there had to be a certain part of me that was willing to stop planning. And what we try to do in this house now, you know, Melissa has a saying, she's like, if you're not sure what to do, do nothing. And do nothing doesn't really mean do nothing. Of course, you're still going to marinate, right? <laughs> you're still going to breathe and you're still going to take in food and oxygen. But stillness, if you're going to ask the universe or energy or whatever you call it, what's next for you? You have to create a still point to create a quiet space for that message to come across. And so one of the traps is I'm going to keep trying things or doing things until I find the thing that resonates with me. But there's another approach. Another approach is like you said, I'm going to sit quietly and create a space for the right thing to arrive. And what we've noticed is something very interesting. My teacher always used to say to me, test this. Test this. Well, Brian, we've tested this. We've tested this hundreds of times. And I can tell you there's a very strange transformation <laughs> taking place in, in this house. Sometimes Melissa and I won't exactly know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. So we do nothing. We stop talking about it. We lay it all down. And usually within, I don't know, I think our record is five minutes, but usually within five minutes to a few days, what happens? The answer, it it shows up. Somebody will ping us online. I'll get an email out of nowhere. This happens so often now. 
that it's becoming a way of life. And I'm still me. I still have my, you know, handy pack of post-it notes that I write everything down on and I still make my lists and I still plan. Somebody side, right? But now I become hyper aware of the power of my nobody side. And I make my list and I set it aside. Or I plan my day and then I let it unfold. This is the magic of nobody life. This is the magic of finding balance, is that sometimes we find what inspires us, but sometimes we have to let the thing that inspires us find us. And I think once we tap into that, we give ourselves permission to schedule a yoga class, but then we also give ourselves permission to let something else drop in. And that's kind of been the tenor of our conversation, hasn't it? Explore Mm -hmm. and rest, plan and allow. And I think when you give yourself permission to allow yourself to be both of those things at once, life becomes fun and everything becomes inspiring because everything you try is another step. Every message you get is another clue. This is a journey and it should be joyful on some level. And it is the exploration and the allowing that both of those things together make it meaningful. So I agree with you. Sometimes doing nothing is the greatest action you can take. It's the most empowering choice. And I'm telling you, Brian, I don't coach people on things I don't live. Mm-hmm. I didn't start coaching until I felt comfortable that I was living this to a degree that I could assist others. Mm-hmm. We live this all day in this house. And when we don't live it, we catch ourselves not living it and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, that's why messages and inspirations arrive is because we're creating that space for them consciously. How do you know if you've moved out of it. What are the, the, what triggers the realization that you've come out of this, this, this place of integration and balance? Usually um, for me, for me, this won't be for everybody. For me, it's a very much body oriented thing. That's why it's very important not to be too detached, right? Our body is constantly sending us signals that are clues to how we're living spiritually and spiritually and energetically. So I will feel a tension probably from the middle of my chest down to my stomach area. So if you want to speak in chakras, it would be probably somewhere between my heart chakra and my root chakra. I'll feel this anxiety or disease. It'll usually come as a background anxiety. And that's how I know I'm being, it looks, it'll look like for those listening, like marionette strings pulling me one way or another. And what I'll do there is I'll usually just do some breathing or some grounding and try to drop that. And I acknowledge it. So my body's sending me a signal that I'm kind of moving off center. And then I'll immediately, when I catch myself, either breathe or do a mindfulness technique to bring me back into square, into the moment. So that's for me, that's how it is. That's the pull I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Attentiveness to the body. It can be, it can be such a, powerful gateway into insight and and i think the more that we're just in our bodies and are attentive to how we feel in our bodies the more quickly we we notice that um 
that you know that shift out of balance absolutely and we do that's why we don't want to you know my my teacher used to say you know we don't want to look at the body as something evil we don't want to look at the body as something to be oh, i can't wait till i'm gone from this body because you know i know that i've i've been in those discussions i can't wait till i'm dead right mm-hmm. i can't wait till i reach enlightenment uh, I'm trying to astral project so I can be free of my body for a while. I've been involved in those conversations, either with clients, um, with friends. And when we look at the body that way, when we completely detach or we set, put out an energy of detachment from our body, we're really missing out on something very powerful. You know, the body is something to be cherished. It's something to be taken care of. It's something to be, I mean, you know this from your from your background, the better we take care of this vehicle, the more reliable signals it'll give to us. You know, if I throw my cell phone around all the time and smash it up on the ground, I'm going to have a real problem. But if I put it in a nice holder and I put something over the screen and I protect it, works great for years. Body's no different. I get very reliable messages (laughs) from my body now about when I'm off center. And without those, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that progression is, is all encompassing, right? It's, we must not separate that though, the two, right? The body um, and the, the state of our body uh, from whatever we want to call it, spiritual growth, higher consciousness. Um, you know, that even that message has been coming up time and time again, I think almost in every single conversation I've had in these last few months on the show, um, the importance of being in the body and realizing, I think the best way to put it is that the body is, I once heard it being put, the body is the vehicle for expanding consciousness or evolving consciousness. These are the vehicles by which we are are operating in to expand our consciousness. Um, Lori Ladd is a uh, a woman that I just interviewed yesterday. That podcast episode should be out by now, but um, she says that she's a a teacher on ascension and some of the more metaphysical side of things when it comes to the the ascension process. And the way that she actually puts it is, it's the body that's ascending you are a higher consciousness already you in your essence are a higher consciousness so you aren't ascending you are experiencing ascension in and through the ascension of your body so i'm really glad that we we started um to kind of just touch on that um and we you were able to kind of draw the connection there um a connection there between how being centered in our bodies is is so so key and important and even living you know at first glance we might think that this this conversation that we're having about coming into balance between the nobody and the somebody that might not seem like anything to do with the body but in some regards it's everything to do with the body and it's about again being centered in that state of balance in all on all facets and i think the i just really glad that you brought up that you're, you're checking in with your body when, and that's the means by which you recognize when you're coming out of that balance. It's always both. 
<laughs> you know, Brian, that's another one of my tells. Uh, when I find myself, and it's a verbal or a mental tell, right? Because it's all encompassing. Anytime I find myself denigrating or saying like, ugh, this isn't right. Ugh, this isn't the way. Ugh, I'm screwing this up. This is wrong. That's when I know I'm going way off. Because anytime I start denying pieces of my life, because mm. that's another trap, right? Well, I'm not the body, right? I'm the energy. I'm the spirit. That's what I should be connecting with. Well, that right there, now we've stumbled into a trap. At least I have. Again, not everybody is going to agree with me on this. It's fine. <laughs> Won't be the first disagreement I've been involved with. But for me, anytime I find myself denying a piece of myself, making serious value judgments, I mean, about my life and how it's progressing. Ugh, why aren't things working out for me? That's a very significant moment for me. Those are moments where I have to really get myself into a quiet space and start to talk to myself about how I'm viewing my life. Because again, we, this goes back to something you were saying before. If we're waiting to be inspired or we're looking to be led to inspiration, it's not always going to look the way we, th we think it's going to look. Melissa and I will talk about something that will happen. We've had some very strange things happen lately. Things that really did not go the way we planned, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And what we tell each other, because now we know we're off, right? So over dinner, we had a conversation about something just recently. And we said, wait, 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 let's wait. Let's wait on this and see what happens. Sure enough, a few days later, the thing that didn't work out the way we wanted actually ended up turning into something much more incredible. Now, I could have spent the intervening 48 hours beating myself up and going, you know, why, why, why? It was because of the disappointment, in quotes, that the better thing arrived. This happens all the time. Does this happen for everybody with everything? No. Are there real tragedies in life that stick with us? Absolutely. I'm talking about these day-to-day -day things that happen to us. These are the places we need to practice. And I always tell people, I'm not dismissing the pain of life. I'm saying something much simpler. Practice when things are going pretty well for you. Don't wait till you're totally stressed out and anxious to work on anxiety. When you're sitting and watching TV and you're pretty relaxed and you feel anxiety creep in, that's the time to practice nobody life. When you're eating, you know, don't wait until you have the stomach flu to eat better. When you notice that certain foods aren't sitting right with you, instead of bemoaning that, tap into that and start working on your diet right then and there. If you notice your mind, don't wait until you're totally overwhelmed to practice mindfulness. If you notice disturbing thoughts creeping in through the day, practice mindfulness there. Start with little disappointments in your day. Somebody didn't react to you the way you wanted, acknowledge it then and work with it. And that's what we're trying to do here. That's the way we're trying to grow. We're doing it in small increments and in trying to embrace our lives as a whole and working on things in every sphere of our life. And it's, it's paying off huge dividends for us in terms of our own inner peace.
Mm. We're not having millions of dollars dumped into our house. We're not finding great fame on the sidewalks of Hollywood. What we're doing is we're having more times during the day where we feel good. Mm. That's how we know. That's how we know. So it's been, it's been a great journey. Uh, it's been a lot of fun in a lot of ways. <laughs> a lot of fun because you're actively engaging with your life and, um, and with your own growth. And that's coming from a nobody slash somebody. <laughs> um, that's, that's beautiful. I'll, I, the, the sense that I get just hearing you describe your state and the energy that I feel in you, Jay, is just balance, balance, harmony, balance, right? And um, staying close to that, that point in which what, one of the things that kind of comes to mind is in being so attentive to where you're at, how you're feeling, what you're experiencing, you catch things before a negative momentum starts to build. I use that word lightly, negative. But you catch it before you know it starts to, to spiral, right? Because that tends to be the case. It's it's not that one thing comes up and we end up and in this this terrible state and this strong strong degrees of emotions and start wondering, well, how did I end up here? Well. It usually, and it goes both ways, whether it be a positive momentum or a, a negative one, um, momentum is, is cultivated with time. And so I think what you're, you're teaching here is, is so important. It's the mindfulness of where you're at, how you're feeling, what you're experiencing, so that you notice when when that sense of whatever anxiety discomfort um out of balance arises so you can make that shift right? and we will have a far easier time making that shift back into balance when we're again just a little bit just a little bit out of it opposed to when we've allowed that momentum to to kind of spiral us down so mindfulness 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 it's uh it's a beautiful practice and thing. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's been something that we've spoken to directly for for some time um, on the show or even in just my content. Uh, and who better to to bring it back to the basics? What does mindfulness mean to you and how do you go about teaching it? I think that's, that's what I'm really curious to hear. Um, I know, again, we're, we're bringing it back to the fundamentals, but I think it's important that we do. Um, how do you go about teaching mindfulness? Well, it differs by the person, right? So we always have to meet people where they are. So what worked for me with mindfulness isn't necessarily going to work for everyone. And I, sometimes I do really large trainings on mindfulness, and I'm very mindful of the fact that the people in the room will have different things that resonate with them, different things that pull them into and out of a moment. So for me, I always start by saying mindfulness can mean many things. There's, a, there's an official definition out there that I like. It's about, it's about being aware of your thoughts and emotions in the present moment without judgment, right? It can mean that. But it can also mean simple awareness. 
And I never want someone to run away from mindfulness practice because they think they have to develop this, you know, ancient meditation practice. You know, well, I don't really have time to go live in a cave for 20 years. That's not how Melissa and I approach mindfulness. For us, mindfulness, and this is the message of the Nobody Bible, right? Mindfulness starts with things that you're doing in your everyday life. It's a simple awareness. So it can be a simple awareness of how you're feeling. So you sit down, this is something that I often do. Through the day, I'll just sit quietly and I'll close my eyes and I'll just take a simple breath and I'll check in with myself. I'll just check in. I don't know what I'm gonna find in there. <laughs> it's like turning on the light in your attic after 20 years. You don't know what you're gonna find. It could be spiders, it could be valuable baseball cards. You don't know. So I check in with myself through the, through the day to see what I'm feeling. That's, that's a pretty formal practice when you think about it, right? Because you're disciplining yourself. Other times when I don't have that kind of time, let's say I'm on a, I'm on a call at work, right? Or I'm driving somewhere. And I will commit to have an awareness. So that's something a little different. I can't really zone out during a call, right? And do a meditation check-in. So what I do is I just do a simple awareness practice. And that means... I give all my attention to the meeting or to whatever I'm doing. And if I notice my attention straying, what do I do? I just bring it back. I just bring it back. I just bring it back. These are simple, simple ways that we can bring awareness into our life. So you can go down either path. If you want a formal practice, you can sit and breathe. Anytime you find your mind wandering from your breath, Anytime you find thoughts coming in, refocus gently on your breath. That's a formal approach you can take. When you're out in the world and you can't do that, try to walk around with a heightened sense of awareness about how you feel about people and your surroundings. So there's so many different ways into mindfulness practice. It starts with the dishes you're washing. Feel the water as it comes out of the tap, right? People who've been to my trainings, this is the one I use all the time. Do you really know what warm feels like? You don't have to be a guru on a mountaintop to do this. Just wash a plate. Feel warm coming out of the tap. Feel soapy water. When my daughter runs to me in the park, like we talked about before, and she wants to give me a hug, I pay complete attention to the process because I don't want to miss those, right? So I will be totally aware of that. So all through the day, I'm checking in, I'm staying aware, and I'm trying to go through my day with as little judgment as possible, with as little of this as possible. Ugh, ugh, I can't, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now. I can't believe I did that. Ugh, my mind is wandering. This is crazy. Ugh, I'm talking to Brian and I just thought I heard something outside. I should be you drop those judgments and you realize that your only job in life is to simply be present. And anything that pulls you out of the moment, bring yourself back. So when you ask how I teach mindfulness, you don't really teach mindfulness. You allow people to teach mindfulness to themselves mm. and you give them permission to find their own way in. And I know you're, listeners are probably as diverse as the stars in the sky and each person is going to have a different way in and i'm going to ask you i mean how do you how do you practice mindfulness through the day you know i'm curious mm -hmm. because you 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 have an understanding also i mean you come to personal growth through 
the development of health and vitality. And you also are plugged in to this area of energy. How do you balance the, how do you stay mindful of those arenas of your life through the day? I mean, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you asked. I, I was really appreciative when someone asked me a question and response like, oh, you care about what I have to say too. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate that. You're, you're right. There's, there's, um, there's different little gateways, access points, tools that we can use to, to come into that. But truer than any of that is it's, it's a, a state of being that goes beyond the, it is the practice in itself, right? It, it, well, how do you be mindful? It's, I think on the truest level, it's be mindful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about these little stepping stones, if you will, that we can, we can use or, or teach or uh, conceptualize to, to support another in, in grasping that. Um, and you definitely hit uh, a few of those that, that I've found myself in resonance with and, and that has supported me. The breath is huge. Um, the breath, taking that moment. And I think you, you've pointed to it earlier in the conversation, when we're feeling a sense of discomfort, we can almost train ourselves to, for that to be triggered. The, um, the remembrance that we can come back to the breath. So we can condition ourselves in this way that, oh, I'm feeling discomfort. Let me come to the breath. And it's just a matter of practicing that. If you practice that when you are feeling a sense of discomfort, more and more when discomfort arises, you'll naturally remember, more naturally remember that you can come back to the breath. so I, I think that's a really important thing, the, the point that we can condition ourselves in this way. And I mean, if you haven't tried it, I'm, I'm thinking most of the listeners have done something of the sort, but it's magical, the breath and bringing our attentiveness to it. It's such a, it's, it goes beyond words, how relieving that can be. Um, and again, this is of course rooted in that where we're, being mindful we're being mindful and our discomfort is i would say the 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 root cause of the discomfort and suffering that we experience is in resistance to the present moment and not being connected to and attentive to the present moment um there's another one that i uh, i like to, to to teach and it's focus on the looking that that phrase um I heard a couple of years ago and it's echoed in my mind so many times at the perfect time. Focus on the looking. Just see what you're seeing. See it. I just did it. All right. I, I'm, I'm seeing more brightly. I'm more focused on what it is I'm seeing. And that's just this step into a greater state of presence and awareness. So I actually feel wait, like wait, I want to wait. I want to say on that one before you move on. That's yes. beautiful. My teacher said once, "Soft eyes see soft things." So I love that you say that because that again, we don't dismiss 
pain in this world. We don't dismiss calamity. What we do is through our days, when things are, when things are in motion, but not necessarily all about emotion, these quiet moments we have, that's the time, I love what you said, that's the time to practice the looking. That's the time to practice the listening. Those are the moments so that when the big things do come, we've trained ourselves to at least have something to grab onto. So I just wanted to insert that there when you said the eyes thing, that is so important and that is never talked about. So I appreciate you saying that, that's, that's huge. That just brought that teaching back to me like it was yesterday. It's a really what important a, one. What a beautiful teaching. I, I, I'm going to try to describe it. Um, you said those words, soft eyes, you saw things. And I literally felt a sensation. First, it started as a, a more bodily sensation of my eyes softening. I actually want the, uh, the listeners here to try this. Soften your eyes, whatever that means, right? And it, it happened so naturally. It really happened so naturally. What does it feel to soften your eyes? And I felt that that take place in a in a sensational manner and it just felt like everything just became a little bit more steady a little bit more at ease so i absolutely love that um that that's beautiful i'm glad you brought that up huge now where i'm inspired to to take this is we we brought it back to the basics the foundation of mindfulness um I want to draw the connection here between, I mean, I think we've been doing this for the entire conversation, but I see there's a, another way that we can approach this. Um, I want to draw the connection between that state of mindfulness and what emerges through that in the dimension of doing and creating and acting. Um, how do you think those two things are related and how does mindfulness support the doing? Well, it's a great, it's a great question. And it's a complex question because we, again, there's multiple ways that we are somebody and there's multiple ways that we are nobody, but here's how it looks for me. Okay. And that's all I can speak to. I'm a planner, like I said, right? Big time. I'm a list maker. I'm a doer. And I struggled. Um, I, I get very intimate about this in that TEDx talk because I think it's important that people know that what I speak of, the results come from a real struggle here. I struggled for many years with terrible anxiety, planning for the future, getting anxious about what was going to happen all the time. And it didn't matter how many post-it notes I made. And it didn't matter how many lists I made. And it didn't matter how early I was for my appointments. I still struggled with anxiety. <laughs> well, my teacher 26 years ago gave me my very first mindful meditation practice. And I've been practicing it faithfully through the ups and downs in my life. Still practice it today. 26 years, same technique. And what that technique has done for me is a few things. First, it gives me some discipline that I can work on as I explore in the world of doing, right? It's giving me an anchor, something to root myself in so that as I go out and explore, I have a home to come back to. 
That's first and foremost, okay? Another thing that it's done for me is it softened me. So we've talked about soft eyes, right? Well, another teaching that I've learned over life is if you try to wash dishes with a dry, crusty sponge, nothing's gonna happen. But if you wet that sponge, it softens and it can do more work that way, right? Mindfulness, and it always comes back around full circle in these interviews, doesn't it, Brian? Mindfulness has softened me. It has softened me. I am now in one place in my, I have a still point that can remain long enough so that it can soak in what the world is trying to tell me. It has given me a quiet place to hear intuition. It has given me a quiet place to tune into how I'm feeling about people and situations. It has stayed my fingers from sending certain text messages that could have cost me friendships. It has kept my tongue from lashing out. Instead, I curl it up and I don't beat myself up anymore. Well, of course I do sometimes. I mean, I'm human. <laughs> I still have the human experience, but I judge myself less. And one of the joys of mindfulness and one of the joys of softening up is we give ourselves a break. So now instead of lashing out at myself, I just observe myself more. Ah, there's J.A. Getting, getting upset again. I watch it. You, you, you would know it as the witness, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there's J.A. getting stressed out again about something he can't control. There's J.A. thinking he can fix the world's problems by worrying about it. And as you develop the witness, as you become more and more mindful of your day, like you said, you train yourself to look to breath, non-judgment, and soft eyes more than you look to hyperventilating <laughs> and anger and judgment. I'm still human. I still have points of view. I still have very, very hard opinions <laughs> on certain things because <laughs> that's how we grow. But mindfulness has given me a tool and I can get more things done because I'm spending less time worrying and more time tuning in to the next step. And that's why my life has changed. So I'm still a planner. I'm still a doer. But now I find I get more things done because I'm not getting caught up in the maze of my mind as much. And I think that's what it's done for me. For other people, for other people, it'll have different outcomes. For me, that's what it's done. That's, that's how it's changed me. Wow. I absolutely love that. I love the, um, the, the point specifically that you're getting more done and that your mindfulness practice has supported you in being more productive, more effective. And I think that's really, really important to, to mention because when at first, at first contact, we might see a concept like mindfulness. One might come across that and, and think this feels like a, a slowing down. And I think that's why a lot of people perhaps resist it. A lot of people I know um, that are yet to even take on a meditation practice or even give it a shot even um, is coming from a place of, I don't have time for this. They have a hard time making that time to, to meditate. I mean, of course, what we're speaking to isn't just meditation. It's day-to-day -day mindfulness, 
which of course is supported by a mindfulness meditation practice. But um, it's it's quite ironic that still so many people are yet to move into that because they're going, going, going. And what might feel initially like a, a slowing down, in fact, will actually support them in the endeavors that they've been going, going, going for. So I think it's really, really key that you touched on how, again, you're going to play the somebody so much more powerfully once you get in tune with your nobody. Because just to kind of recap and reiterate some of your points, you're going to come from a place with great, of greater clarity. You're going to be more tuned to your intuition, to your sense of knowing. Um, and all those, all those judgments that we, we make on ourselves that are slowing us down more than anything is, is naturally going to, to kind of be dissolved uh, through the practice of mindfulness. So again, I, um, I really, really like that idea that more things are being done. You're more tuned into, you also had mentioned that you're more tuned into that next step. And I think that's the perfect way to, to sum up the integration of nobody and somebody. Brother, is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with before we bring things to a close here? Look, you know, it's always the same thing. Don't be afraid to explore, to try new things. Don't push away your somebody side. Don't, I mean, you know, I say don't, and that's very authoritative. I don't use those words very often. But the change in my life, and I say this to your audience with all sincerity, and if you're listening to this, just know I'm looking very intently into the camera on my computer when I say this. He is. I can, I can validate that. The change this has affected in my life is so profound that I sometimes well up thinking about it because it is almost incomprehensible to me to think about the changes that this has made for me. These practices, mindfulness, openness, holding space, getting in flow, they literally saved my life. Like I am here today because of these practices because a teacher stood in front of me 26 years ago and gave me one simple practice. That practice has grown and expanded, but at its core, it saved my life. And I want to tell anybody listening, don't be afraid to explore, to try new things, to, you know, some of your listeners may know where this is from. I cannot for the life of me remember, but they can leave it in the comments. There's an old teaching that says, if you wake up in the morning and have lots to do and you don't have time to meditate for an hour, meditate for two hours. <laughs> the spirit of that teaching, no matter how me I am, I know that there's another part of me that can help me to get through that. So I just can't say that enough. I can't say it enough. Explore, learn, be in the flow and be mindful and just give yourself permission to live 
because otherwise what happens, we become completely stuck. And I'm making up for lost time, Brian. I'm, it's completely changed my life. And that's why I felt comfortable now starting to coach and teach on a different level because I feel that I'm arrived in a place where that's not possible. Mm. So. My friend, thank you so much for so elegantly summing up what was another great discussion with you and summing up the essence of, I think, a lot of what both you and I share. You mentioned the uh, the coaching at the end there, which is a perfect segue into the question. If someone's interested in connecting with you, um, getting involved with learning more from you, where would be the best place for them to, to head? Well, they can go to japlosker.com to learn more about coaching and to learn more about my journey if they want. And Melissa and I have nobodylife.com. And there you can see our little guy with the, the two sides of somebody, nobody. And, uh, you know, you can follow me, check me out on Instagram at japlosker. Or we have a free download at nobodylife.com. We have a little mindfulness quick start guide that you can download. And we just started a group on Facebook. It's, we're just trying to get it going. It's called Nobody Life. And we'd love to have people there as well. I know, Brian, you're there. And we're just trying to get that going. So there's all kinds of places. So japlosker.com, nobodylife.com. And just explore, have fun with it. And people can reach out to me through those channels if they want to chit chat about something. And it's just really great to connect with people. And I love our little, I love our little person that <laughs> nobody likes. Yeah. He really brings it together so well. Yeah, I did. Um, after you first told me about that, I, I did go take a look at it and check it out. Uh, the visual, I love the visuals. So I, I do uh, encourage the listeners to, to go check out the website. That's nobodylife.com, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So on that, the homepage, I believe it was, you have the uh, a little visual. Let's let the visual do the, the, the talking. Um, <laughs> as they say, a picture is a thousand absolutely something to do with a thousand words worth a thousand words a picture is worth a thousand words um and that picture is beyond words i would say so um go check it out not just the picture but the website and if you were interested in connecting more with jay um all the information to do so would be there as well as i'll put the links as i usually do i said usually should be always but this time <laughs> i will certainly do um to everything that you just uh, named and listed in the show notes and the podcast description wherever you're listening to this you'll find those links other than that i mean let me one last time for for this conversation express my appreciation for you um it's an absolute pleasure to to be in this place of co-creation and and to have this conversation in in aim of supporting others or in the intention of that but i also just want you to know and i've said this before and you'll hear me say it again and again i personally just enjoy being in these conversations with you brother and it's because i feel not only upliftment but a sense of expansion within myself um, when, when I get the chance to, to connect with you. And that goes for the very first time that we connected. I think it was three years ago. And the conversations we've been having up to this day each and every time is an absolute joy. So thank you again. 
I appreciate it, Brian. And thank you. Your friendship has meant a lot to me. And you gave me a really big break a lot of years ago. And it's been fun growing with you. And, and I look forward to creating with you in the future. And I look forward to meeting your listeners and creating with them as well. It's just been a real pleasure. And it will continue to be because you, me, and all those that are listening are going to keep descending. That's going to be all for this episode. Thank you for listening. Senders, that is going to be all for my amazing conversation. Another amazing conversation with my friend Jay Plowsker. Super blessed to have had him back on the show. I, um, as I believe as mentioned early in the episode there, his, uh, his first appearance on Awaken was very early on in my days of being a creator of content of this sort and being on the path of serving the shift of consciousness. And we've both come a long way in this time and it's been exciting to reconnect with them, reconnect with nobody. I hope that this episode served you. I hope that something of it will support you in living a better and more balanced life, support you in integrating your nobody and somebody sides. If you want to go learn more about J.A. and what he has going on, perhaps connect with him. You can find him at jplosker.com as well as the nobodylife.com. Links to all of these will be in the description of the podcast notes. Before we go here, one last invitation goes out to you. Lightworkers, starseeds, leaders of ascension, those of you that are here to support the shift in consciousness, we're coming together in our united purpose within the space of the Ascend Academy. If you are ready to step into your higher purpose, a higher expression of who and what you really are, and create the magic that you're here to create, give the gifts that you came here to give, and serve your higher purpose. Our activation process will activate this in you. You can head on over to the Academy's website, academy.togetherweascend.com, to learn more and to initiate your activation. That's going to be all for this episode of Senders. Thank you again for everything that you are. And until next time. Keep ascending. <laughs>